Welcome back to another installment of the podcast for cultural reformation brought to you by the Ezra Institute. This is Worldview Wednesday. It's passed down as a prophecy every year about this time. Our host for today's episode is Nathan Oblack. Welcome back to the podcast for cultural reformation. I'm Nathan Oblack, and I am, as always, here in the Knox Cellar with Ryan Aris and Dr. Joe Boot. And we're scrambling a little bit this week to get this podcast in as we're uh, very shortly off to South Dakota for the Fight, Laugh, Feast rally coming up this week. And uh, we're really doing it, aren't we, Nathan? <laughs> That's right, Joe. Aspen. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> what a way to start. <laughs> and, uh, at the rally, Joe's been given the uh, the topic, Jesus, King over Tyrants, and they're going to do their very best to keep Joe's talk uh, under four hours, if possible. <laughs> we'll see. Good luck to him. Mm-hmm. And uh, what we'd like to get into on today's uh, episode is language, and specifically the fight over the use and the definition of words. And uh, we had the idea to uh, address this topic this week, as uh, last week Joe delivered a lecture uh, to the C.S. Lewis Institute, and uh, it happened to be uh, that morning that the Ontario government uh, came out with this announcement, and uh, I'll quote that, all pregnant individuals, so not pregnant women, pregnant individuals are now eligible to register for COVID-19 vaccination appointments. So that was a message coming from the government of Ontario, and I mean, you could not ask for a better example uh, of an attempt to use language to really subvert the created order and, and really make an attempt to, to recreate uh, cosmic reality, really. And we're, of course, seeing a lot of that. It's not new, um, but I think perhaps we're seeing a lot more of that uh, in recent days. And... Uh, we, we, were, we were just chatting before the podcast that, of course, language itself uh, is good. The structure of language is good. But uh, we mention structure and direction often in this podcast. So there is a godly use of language in a godly direction, but there is certainly an ungodly uh, use of language. Uh, and Joe, maybe you can comment on that a little bit. Well, I mean, it's significant, isn't it, that when you look at uh, the beginning of John's Gospel, John the Evangelist begins with uh, an echo right back to the book of Genesis. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, mm -hmm. and the Word mm -hmm. was God. And um, God says, God speaks mm. uh, creation into existence. Mm -hmm in uh, the beginning of uh, the book of Genesis. And I think in Proverbs 8 there as well, we see how the wisdom of God, personification, of course, of Christ himself, is there in this amidst this whole process. So you have, it's often been observed that we have the, the, the Trinity active. You've got God the Father, uh, the, who's creating through the Son, and the Spirit of God is hovering over the face of the waters. And the significance of language is right there from the very, very beginning of creation. 
it's interesting that it doesn't say John doesn't say in the beginning was the image. Mm. Uh, in the beginning mm. was the idea, but mm. in the beginning was the word. And so <clears throat> scripture has a central place for the word of mm. God. And for us, as you all know, in our uh, reformational understanding, uh, the word of God is manifest in the creation itself. In fact, creation in a certain sense is an instantiation of the word of God. It, it, it is completely dependent on the word of God at all times, at, at every moment. So it's called into existence by that word. It's sustained as well by the word and it's gonna and it's moving towards its final destination in terms of the word of God. So we have the creation word and all the laws and norms that God has established by his word for creation. And then we have the the incarnate word, who is the Lord Jesus Christ himself, mm. who of course speaks to his creation. Uh, and that's why fig trees can be cursed and wither. It's mm. why he can walk on the water, command storms to mm -hmm. be still, mm -hmm. turn water to wine, heal the deaf, open the eyes of the blind, raise the dead. Lazarus come out mm. it's the word it's the powerful word of God because God's word is power so we have the incarnate word and then of course the inscripturated word uh, which is again it's interesting that God chose that period of history uh, and the inscripturation of his word I mean some would say today well wasn't that rather inefficient if God had waited for his self-revelation a bit longer he could have texted it to us he mm -hmm. could have um uh, he could have sent us a a, a video yeah um, state of the nation address mm -hmm. absolutely mm -hmm. right. it could have been a uh something on, on on social media with the right image uh but um he's actually already made an image of himself and that is human beings mm. and uh so we have the centrality of the word in the christian view and so it's n not surprising to me that at a moment of cultural apostasy and rebellion, the battle lines have fundamentally been drawn around the word and the subversion of uh, the use of words in terms of that whole structure and direction principle mm -hmm. that you mm -hmm. mentioned. Mm -hmm. uh, and the attempt to, and we'll talk about this more, uh, the attempt to recreate reality mm -hmm. in terms of a new word. Mm -hmm. But uh, Nathan, I just want to get back to mm -hmm. your original illustration a little bit. And mm -hmm. This uh, this government, this government of Ontario, notice about pregnant individuals, uh, because there's a I don't know if our, our Ontario listeners have probably seen this. It's you know it's pretty benign. It's pretty normal. Like it's not it's not like drag queen story hour. Right. Why uh, why are we getting hung up on? on this phrase or this mm -hmm. sort of very ordinary looking piece of government information. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think it was a, probably a couple of years ago now that the, the law in Ontario changed uh, with regard to how many individuals could be designated in law, the parents uh, right. or guardians or whatever, or the family of, a yet as yet unborn child, and I think—correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan—my um, memory may 
I think it was three or four. I think it was actually up to four. I think it's up to four. Up to four individuals. Four family, that's right. Yeah. Could be named, completely yeah. unrelated individuals, mm-hmm. could be named as the basically the family, the, mm-hmm. the, um, the parents mm-hmm. of a child that hasn't even been born yet. That, yeah. that's, that's mm-hmm. expected. Yeah, it's so, a preconception parenting agreement. That's right. The, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. It's a document you sign. So, in a certain sense, this uh, the and the change happens first in the area of language right. because, of course, yeah. this kind of social subversion couldn't happen mm-hmm. until the the significance and the meaning of uh, of words or, or the the way in which we use words has been altered. Mm-hmm. So, I mean. Let's take a really uh, obvious example. I mean, when I was, even when I was growing up back in England, um, the, I had a number of aunts that were called gay. Mm. Nobody ever thought that was strange or in, in the least bit odd. I don't think anybody would be that interested in calling their daughter gay mm. uh, anymore because the meaning uh, of the word has been subverted. Yeah. Mm. Um, we used to use the term queer. I'm feeling a bit queer. Um, just meant you were feeling a bit strange. You were feeling mm-hmm. a little bit odd. One of Tolkien's favorite words. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you, and so when you come across those words now, mm-hmm. when you're reading them, mm-hmm. uh, it does kind of, oh, uh, that doesn't really fit there. Mm-hmm. Um, because the the significance of these words is altered. So we've started to enforce a new language paradigm. Mm-hmm. So we don't talk about husband and wife anymore in our culture. Mm-hmm. It has to be partner or significant other or spouse, but husband and wife or or mum and dad. Mm-hmm. These are these are the these are the terms that are seen as alienating for people. So even in the schools, mm-hmm. in many of the public schools, the mandates for teachers now is not to use those mm-hmm. words: mum and dad, mother and father, husband and wife. But boys to, and girls, boys and girls, mm-hmm. even, mm-hmm. but to alter them for these generic, um, uh, emasculated, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Androgynous, Androgynous. terms mm-hmm. that have have lost their specificity because they can be filled then with any meaning mm-hmm. in terms of our own idea. So I'm not all that shocked actually that the the battle has been drawn around the word mm-hmm. because if in the beginning was the word and man wants to make a new beginning without God, he must destroy the normative understanding of the word and language instead of uh, being something that is there to reflect and describe a normative reality uh, as ordained by God um, it becomes a tool to subvert established meaning. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where we can probably go a bit deeper with this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So. Well, really, uh, just to pick up on that, uh, a word we're all familiar with, uh, incantation, uh, what that word really means is it's a series of words used as a magic spell over a person or object. So if we look at that word closely and look at the etymology of that word, in the word incantation, we hear cantare, which means Mm -hmm. to sing. So really, when we're thinking of an incantation or even the closely related word enchantment, what we're really talking about is singing or speaking something into being. Mm -hmm. 
And of course, there we see structure and direction as well, because you you talked earlier, um, Christ stilling the storms with a word, mm-hmm. the, uh, the earth being created, and God said, we hear in scripture. And of course, C.S. Lewis picks up on this notion as well in The Magician's Nephew when we see Aslan singing Narnia into mm-hmm. being. Um, but again, we're seeing... Um, we're seeing this the, the structure being good, but we look at things like the occult and the direction being used in an unfaithful way to bring about uh, a subversion of mm-hmm. the created order. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a, a universal acknowledgement, it seems, that words have power. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, that's a critical point because the, the, as human beings, as God's image bearers, and alone in the creation being able to speak yeah i mean there are there are other creatures that have the same um uh they have the anatomical ability there's nothing specifically unique uh that would that would mean that animals some animals uh don't have the equipment to speak there there are creatures with the equipment to speak Mm. um and in fact, uh, I mean, without um, pulling up all of the details, there is a there there's a development that goes on in the human body mm-hmm. from when you're an infant. You start with the crying noises and so forth, but there's a change that takes place in the larynx and so on. Uh, that w- things move somewhat, and uh, there are you, we are then able as as human beings to articulate and to speak in a unique way. And yet there are other creatures that have that same those same tools physically, but they can't. Yeah. Uh, there is no speech organ as such in a human being, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, that's just that's just by the by. It's a fascinating thing to and me. Actually, yeah, just to uh, sort of supplement that, uh, there was a uh, there was a, a major white paper published maybe ten years ago by a group of leading linguists. Uh, Noam Chomsky is probably the only household name am- among mm. them, but mm. it uh, it essentially said, we've been looking at this for a hundred years. We don't know how human beings come to come to have the uh, the capacity yeah. mm. for speech. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a it's a marvel. Uh, uh, animals grunt. They they make noises. Birds. Uh, we talk about bird song. Mm-hmm. And there's beautiful tweeting noises that different birds make, but there is nothing that can be compared to uh, th- anywhere in creation compared to human articulation, human speech, and the communication of meaning, uh, a rich meaning. That the symbols and signs of animals have one meaning. Uh, you know, your dog's behavior, which is instinctive with other dogs, have a singular meaning. Human beings can use uh, words that are similar or even the same with a multiplicity of meanings. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there is this remarkable uh, uniqueness to human language. And as God's image bearers, this incantation, the, mm-hmm. the, the cantata, mm-hmm. the song, mm-hmm. you know, we are creators. So um, it's not original. We're not original creators in the sense that we can call anything into being from nothing. But in terms of the aesthetic laws and norms, for example, with song mm-hmm. that God has established, uh, you know, nobody wants to listen to somebody gargling, you know, their their water. Um, 
but to listen to an opera trained opera singer sing mm-hmm. um is is a marvel and so speech language song it it has real power and our words have power mm-hmm. uh, that's a really critical point god is all powerful and his powerful word speaks all things into existence uh, his word is power and as image bearers our words have power mm-hmm. uh, they can um, encourage they can bless they can curse mm-hmm. uh, we can uh, we can put our words into the service of God mm-hmm. and to the the purposes of his kingdom or we can turn them against God and his kingdom uh, it was fo- once famously said of Winston Churchill that during uh, in the lead up and during World War two that he took the English English language and he sent it to war mm. uh, he sent it into battle um, and uh, because of his tremendously powerful speeches his wartime mm. speeches and actually CS Lewis during you mm. mentioned Lewis during mm. World War two he was doing his radio radio broadcasts yep, right. mm-hmm. of some of his more famous works um, and so we can see that the words have power we can p- people can be uh, discouraged and um i mean words can make war and make make peace i mean there is mm. that, that that we can build others up we can crush them mm. with with words never was a, a more false limerick ever invented you know sticks and stones may break my bones but words will never hurt me mm. um that's not true right um words have tremendous power to heal or to hurt right and he, joe just even to go back to the idea of an incantation I mean, the idea there is to use words and cast a spell to have power over mm-hmm. someone, coercive power over yep. someone's thoughts or actions. Yeah, to coercive power is a, a mm. key sort of modifier there, like right. to actually effect a mm-hmm. change. To- mm-hmm. Yes, as we've said before, there's nothing demonic in power itself. Yeah. Right. Uh, uh, power is a fact of human existence, um, and it's created by God that uh, that we I think we mentioned last week that um, pa- power is a facet of human life it's the direction into which we put it power comes either from above or below hmm. and we can only live in terms of one of those sources of power power from above or power from below now you mentioned the occult so occultism hiddenness hmm. it is fundamentally about and magic is fundamentally about power from below and the, mm. and the goal of the of occultism of magic is to use uh words to use spells to use incantations to manipulate mm. to manipulate reality there are of course you know some of the some formal laws of magic um laws of correspondence and so on um, and like attracts like, and you know the whole concept even of a voodoo doll and so on. You make mm. a likeness, and then you stick you know pins in it and so mm. on. Or the the basic ideas of ma- around magic, and especially when it comes to the use of words, spells. This is the use of words mm. to attempt to manipulate reality, to bend it to our own will. And actually, I think this is critical for the whole debate today around the use of pronouns, around the yeah, whole right. idea mm-hmm. of language and how it's used. We can use language in terms of obedience. This is why the Bible has so much to say about our use of words, mm-hmm. um, whether we bless or curse with our mouths, what, what we do with oaths, for example, let your yes be yes and your 
no, no, and not swearing by heaven or, or earth, um, and not blaspheming the Lord's name. The reason there's so much about our words and how we use words is because of this whole idea of we can use words in terms of submission to God, um, and out of the abundance of the heart, remember, Scripture says, out of what's in the heart, the mouth speaks. And don't forget, with respect to salvation, um, with with the heart one believes and confesses. So we talk a lot about confession because that's the scriptural idea uh, that we, if we confess our sins, we we verbalize, we vocalize them to to the Lord, um, and we. Um, if you believe with your heart that Jesus is Lord, uh, 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 that and that confess with your mouth that Je- Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, yeah. you shall be saved. Mm-hmm. So, if you confess with your mouth, yeah. so there is there is a true power in right confession. This is the structure mm-hmm. and direction issue you brought mm-hmm. up, Nathan. Mm-hmm. But the misuse of words can uh, seeks to subvert the kingdom order. So. Um, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that mm-hmm. proceeds from the mouth of God. So right. it's it's our very life to live in mm-hmm. terms of that word. If we use words to try and subvert God's order, it's power from below to try and manipulate and transform reality in terms of apostasy. And that is very much the project of our current culture. I love what Roger Scruton, Sir Roger Scruton, former, he's, he's recently passed away, actually, yeah. um, former professor of Blackfriars Hall, uh, English philosophy professor, and uh, he called the use of words today the nonsense machine, mm. the nonsense mm. machine. The con- referring to the contemporary use of words. Exactly. Language. The, the attempt mm. to uh, use words to subvert meaning. And one of the most powerful things that, uh, that, that he said um, with respect to this, um, he, t- he talked about, the the pointlessness of trying to um, understand what they mean by all of this reimagining of of words. Mm. He says because the nonsense, the goal of the nonsense machine of subversion of language is to destroy meaning. Mm. It has no other purpose. So if you ask, what's the meaning of what you're talking of what they're talking about? The meaning is the use. So. There is no, if you ask, where is the objective meaning in what they're trying to say, to say there is some kind of objective meaning in it, well, that would be then to fall back into this Christian conspiracy that there is such a thing as objective meaning, that there is a logos, mm-hmm. that there is a word for mm-hmm. creation. The meaning is simply the use, and the use is to subvert all meaning. So it's a nonsense machine. Its purpose is the destruction of meaning. Mm. So, and, and that just fits so well with uh, the rampant autonomy that we're seeking as a culture right now. Right. To be a law to be a law to oneself and uh, to recreate reality in terms of your own word. So one mm-hmm. of the wielders of the nonsense machine, and I talked about this person in my lecture to the C.S. Lewis Institute, was a famous uh, Jewish feminist, lesbian philosopher, an American, Judith Butler, and she wrote a book called Gender Trouble. And for the last 30 years, that has informed, um, her work has informed a whole generation of social theorists. There are others amongst them. 
Um, but boiling it down, basically what Butler was saying was that uh, words, she recognizes, recognizes the power of words, and mm. she says the words are a form of regime. And with repetition, words actually uh, create meaning. So they don't reflect meaning. Uh, they're not embedded in creational meaning. They create uh, new meanings. And so if you can create a new language regime, a new repetition, hmm. you can actually alter and transform reality. So for her, the big concern was the issue of sexuality and identity. So she famously said, one is not born a woman, one becomes a woman. Um, in fact, actually, I think I may have one of her um, quotes here. Yes, yeah, she says, there is no reason to divide up, and I'm quoting now, there is no reason to divide up human bodies into male and female sexes, except that such a division suits the economic needs of heterosexuality and lends a naturalistic gloss to the institution of heterosexuality. A lesbian, she says, transcends the binary opposition between woman and man. A lesbian is neither a woman nor a man. But further, a lesbian has no sex. She is beyond the categories of mm. sex. Mm. One is not born female. One becomes female. But even more radically, one can, if one chooses, become neither male nor female, woman nor man. Now, end quote. Mm. Now, <laughs> um, and, you know, she, and she actually says, you know, before there is a perceptually perceived, is there a body, a male or female body, before there is a perceptually perceived body? She says, that's an impossible question to decide. In other words, there is no objective male-female condition, man or woman, even in, though you think you perceive such a distinction. She says it's impossible to decide whether there is one before your perception. And how are your perceptions formed? Your perceptions are formed by your use of the of language. Yeah. So uh, the the constant repetition of male female, mm -hmm. um, man woman, husband wife. She says that language regime creates a perception of the human person. Uh, which then establishes your political and social reality. So if you want to subvert that, because they see that as oppression, they think that the language regime of our culture, in other words, Christian language, is a form of oppression from which human beings need emancipation. They need to be liberated from the oppression of this use of language. Mm. Freed from God's structure. Precisely. So if you want to be liberated from the structure that God has established, the ultimate form of revolution against God is to seek to redefine the most basic creational distinction that we find in the book of Genesis. He mm. made them male and female. Mm -hmm. The Bible, you know, the, the the text there is about the separations, the distinctions, the divisions that God establishes for creation. So <laughs> if your goal is to, as as a lesbian is to subvert that mm -hmm. and to destroy the, the these these norms, she says the first thing you must do is alter the language regime. Use words to subvert meaning. Uh, because there is no such thing as a man or woman, male or female. You can choose to become whatever you like. It's an incantation. Mm. And here's, mm. the, here's the parody. So you've got a parody of creation. So they took, they took over a, an expression actually from um, Antonin Auteau, uh, the, the playwright, 
who talked about a body without organs. Uh, the notion that the body is nothing but a receptacle that that is mute, according to Butler, before being given meaning. So, in other words, the body, as it is, says absolutely nothing. Uh, and all you have is language tools that, that are lying there, and you have to pick up the language tools and create mm. now meaning to 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 literally out of out of nothing to, to create a meaning for mm. your body through the use of language so you take the dust of your desires and then you take this empty this this, this shell if you will this dust of the ground blank slate a blank mm. slate yeah. and yeah. you through a through an incantation mm. through a through a through us through a, a language spell you speak a new reality into existence. Mm. Uh, and that you can see is a parody of creation. God forms the man from the dust of ground and at uh, the dust of the ground and he breathed on him and he became a life, uh, uh, um, uh, a living being, the scripture says. He became a living soul, a living being. So this is, this is a neo-Marxist way of recreation. Mm. Um, it's, it's sophisticated. It's sophisticated gibberish, but it's very sophisticated. And it's the deification of the sign mode. It's the deification of the lang the lingual aspect hmm. of created reality. You know how we often talk on on uh, our show about the fact that it's possible to take that idolatry is the taking of any created, well created aspect of creation, like mm -hmm. language, mm -hmm. like the sign mode, like this lingual aspect of created reality that's a marvel in human beings. And to seek to find the the uh, origin and the explainer for all of reality mm. in some well-created aspect of creation rather mm. than in God himself. So you lift, you take an aspect of, sometimes it's mm. the biotic aspect, mm -hmm. biology, sometimes the physical aspect when everything is reduced to the material. But it's possible to do that with the lingual aspect as well. And this mm. is what is going on in our culture. We're taking the lingual aspect of created reality in concert with our intellect. And we're saying that this is the explainer for all of reality right. to the point that it's the explainer for male and female gender. Right. So elevating it above all the other aspects. Lifting it out, yeah. elevating it above the biotic. Mm -hmm. your, your biotic condition, your biological condition is irrelevant. Mm. Right? Your, your, your genitalia are effectively irrelevant. The male-female distinction creationally is irrelevant. You can lift out the lingual aspect, deify it, and use it to recreate hmm. your own reality. And one of the, the remarkable things about this form of idolatry is the such because there is such a clear parody, such a clear hmm. um, copying, an attempt to mimic the original hmm. creation, and it's it's. It's brazen. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's absolutely unapologetically brazen. It, it denies all normativity and law in any other sphere and says, we'll just use language, we'll use words to totally reinvent reality. And that's what's behind this perpetual drive now in our culture to enforce a new language regime. And this is mm -hmm. why I never let my children use terms like queer, gay, uh, all these new expressions mm -hmm. that have been foisted on the, mm. the the population. I correct them, I say, and I give them a biblical terminology to 
to use mm. because I said that is not an identity. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. An identity is that we are we are creatures made in the image of God, male and female. Those are not identities. Those are words invented to create mythical identities mm -hmm. that will allow us to endorse sin and rebellion against God and the destruction of normativity. So I correct their language and that's why we, and we must, because if we do not correct the language, we endorse the spell by repeating the words mm -hmm. and using the words in that fashion, rather than in a critique of them in to, as though we're speaking about genuine identities, mm -hmm. we are actually continuing to utter the spell to alter reality we're participating right. in the new language regime that is trying to alter god's normative structure for creation mm. and i don't think any of us want to use that acronym that runs about 20 letters long at this point anyways <laughs> right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> who can keep up yeah it's uh, it's very telling i thought in that uh, that last quote you had from judith butler where she says and i don't have it here you've got it so even more radically, you know, one can, if one chooses, yeah. transcend mm. male and female. And I, I get the sense that uh, in that phrase, that th this is a, this is a self-aware program. She she understands the the depth of the of the parody of the mm. the effort to remake and to take that authority to oh, yourself mm -hmm. absolutely no question mm -hmm. and and that's what i meant by the by the brazenness of this and mm -hmm. the and the self-consciousness of it so for example um both um monique wittig and judith butler both radical mm -hmm. feminists wittig was a was she a student of butler's now you're testing me okay but i'm i'm not 100 percent. i'm rolling from memory too yeah so uh, but i know that you know butler quotes her favorably whether she was a student or or, or a peer i'm not 100 percent sure but um the goal they make crystal clear is culturally and politically they say is this and i quote to overthrow the entire discourse on sex indeed to overthrow the very grammar that institutes mm. gender or fictive sex. By fictive sex, they mean that the whole idea of male female is a fiction, right? It's it's been invented, and it's been invented in the interests of the heterosexual idea of normativity, the the, the Christian notion of male female husband wife. It's a form mm -hmm. of oppression, mm -hmm. so it's fictive. And I, so I go on, as an essential attribute of humans and objects alike. So she's saying the cultural and political goal is to overthrow the entire idea that sex, male and female, is an essential attribute of human beings. Um, so that's how radical it gets. And, there, and Butler actually predicted 30 years ago, and let me quote her again. She says, if, if, basically, if we can do this, if we alter the language... This is what she predicted, and I quote, the loss of gender norms, if, if you institute this language, would have the effect of prolif proliferating gender configurations, destabilizing substantive identity, and depriving the naturalizing narratives of compulsory heterosexuality of their central protagonists, man and woman. So they did it, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and the, the the this is why this is why anybody who thinks this is not a gospel issue is out mm. of their minds. Mm. They're out of their minds. Yeah. If you cannot take the most fundamental 
distinction within creation, male and female, and recognize that the reality of that distinction. How do you propose to explain that that Jesus is the Son of God, that God is our Father? That's why the radical liberals want to reinvent the prayers of the church to our mother and so mm-hmm. on and paganize it because this is a radical paganization, a repaganization of culture. It's all part of it. Yeah. Amen and a women. That's mm. <laughs> that's right. That I mean that I was, finally got that out of my <laughs> mind, right? <laughs> I mean that was the most ludicrous <laughs> illustration of it. That mm-hmm. Democratic congressman, a man and a woman, not you know, not only showing the idiocy of the level of understanding, mm-hmm. but the degree to which th- th- this agenda is is prevalent in our culture. The whole idea. She says, "Is you dis- you if we change the language, you destabilize identity, and you can then deprive the narrative of male and female, man, woman, husband, and wife of their central protagonist. You can get rid of the male-female distinction altogether, and then you've destroyed the mm. idea of the family. You've mm. destroyed marriage, and you've therefore destroyed God's creational norm and order. Now, of course, we deny." that any form of magic or occultism, and by the way, let me just be crystal clear, what this is occultism. Mm. You can dress it up in the language of academia and intellectual studies and queer theory. You can call it whatever you like, but this is occultism. That's a very good point. And, you know, even Richard Dawkins, uh, that the, the illustrious uh, God delusion man, mm-hmm. um who recently suggested that maybe biology should enter the discussion about male and female was was then stripped recently mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. his humanist of the year or whatever it was yeah, uh, award and is being no platformed and so on. So that's how powerful this this movement is. It turns on its own um, its 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 fellow atheists, but you can see how this is a continuation, a very sophisticated continuation of the Marxist agenda, which was the destruction of the family. Uh, and that the this creation of a radical egalitarian equalitarian um, order. Um, one of the um, one of the interesting things that um, Roger Scruton said uh, is he understood this to be just as Judith Butler understood what she was doing, and our and and the LGBTQ radicals understand what they're doing for the most part. Uh, Scruton understood that this was a revolution. Mm. He understood mm. it as a revolution, and this is why. We have to insist with our Christian friends that this is a central gospel issue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is a abs- if you can if you can undermine the most basic creational distinction, all of the gospel falls to pieces. How can the, how can the church be the bride of Christ? Mm-hmm. Marriage is the picture of the relationship between God and His people throughout the Old Testament, and then on through the New Testament with respect to the life of the church. Mm-hmm. And he says this. Paul says this is a mystery. I speak to you a mystery. Here you're dealing with, as Peter Jones often says, the cosmological key, one of the cosmological keys anyway, to reality. Yeah, that's right. And you cannot understand the gospel and our covenantal relationship to Christ without marriage uh, as a fundamental paradigm, without the male-female distinction. The whole of the the biblical story begins with a marriage. It illustrates our relationship to God all the way through Scripture with uh, Israel and then the church as a marriage. Mm. Jesus' first miracle is performed at a wedding. And 
history ends with the marriage supper of the Lamb. Mm. So this is an absolutely central core gospel issue. And Scruton recognized it was a revolution. He said this with respect to this language that sounds to the uninitiated like nonsense. I mean, you talked about the how many uh, letters now do we have mm-hmm. in this uh, LGBTQ22SA ad nauseum. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says, and I quote, the resulting nonsense, because I know you know I said that he uses this expression, the nonsense machine, although it cannot be easily deciphered intellectually, can be deciphered politically. It is directed nonsense, and it is directed at the enemy. We are to discard the old hierarchies, the binary structures, the trees of the bourgeois family and the capitalist machine, and reform ourselves as grassroots communities of underground activists. The assault is aimed primarily at the language through which the enemy lays claim to the world. Now, that's a very, end quote, that's a very insightful statement. Mm. It's the la- the language where you started, Nathan, of male and female, mm-hmm. man, woman, uh, individual rather than mother. Mm-hmm. It's That attack is aimed at the enemy. Who is the enemy? The, the enemy who lays claim to the world. Ultimately, that's God. Mm. It's Christ himself who lays claim to the world, gives us this language, which reflects the normative structure of created reality. This is an apostate use of a language. It's a deification of language to use magic, power from below, to transform reality after man's uh, sinful imagination. You see, this is the key. It's not just that man in our sin, that people in their sins are alienated from God. It's that we then seek to alienate God's world from him. Because we are alienated from God because of sin, mm-hmm. we then seek to alienate all of God's creation from him. And as mm-hmm. we've become more self-conscious in our culture of our apostasy, more self-conscious of, of our revolution against God and his order, because we are now, don't forget, unlike the ancient pagans, in a self-conscious rebellion against Christianity, mm-hmm. against the gospel. Their rebellion was one, as Paul says in Acts 17, of ignorance. Ours is one of self-conscious epistemologically self-conscious rebellion Mm. and so it is revolutionary to the core against god the good news is that nobody can overturn god's order right and just before we do close uh for today joe you've alerted us to the seriousness of this issue and the use of language what is the gospel response how do we respond to this as christians well i think critically as believers um this is what the apostle Paul says with respect to the the the, the, the we need a, we need to develop as Christians a Christian mind mm-hmm. and, and this is what we talk about constantly as an institute how do we think Christianly mm-hmm. um, because if we can think Christianly we'll speak Christianly and we'll act Christianly um, too many believers want to jump from a leapfrog from uh, their faith to Christian action mm. without actually having developed a Christian mind a Christian discourse, a Christian argument. Uh, And therefore, very often, their action gets caught up in the paradigm of apostasy. So as Christians, and Paul is explicit about this when he rebukes apostate humanistic culture that hates the body as God has created it, and he actually tells us to forge a Christian mind. It's in Romans 12, 1 through 2, where he says, Therefore, brothers, 
by the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship. Mm. Interesting expression. Mm -hmm. To present your body as spiritual worship. Mm -hmm. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be conformed to this age, uh, to this spirit of apostasy and the use of language, mm. but be uh, transformed by the renewing of your mind. So one of the things that is sanctified in us as believers is our use of words. And uh, that's why uh, the apostle says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only that which is fitting. So words are vitally important. And in uh, with respect to the body itself, Paul in 1 Corinthians 6.15 says, the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. God raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Don't you know that your bodies are part of Christ's body? Well, your mouth, your tongue, your words, mm -hmm. your body with which you articulate language is part of Christ's body. That's what Paul says. And it isn't for immorality, and it's certainly not for sexual immorality. It's for the Lord. Mm. So we have to recognize that both in the transformation of our minds and therefore in the transformation of our speech and in the, then in the transformation of our actions, uh, Christ is concerned with our sanctification. And we have to reinforce the language regime, if you want to use that terminology, of the Word of God. Mm -hmm. Because Christ is the Logos. He is the Word. There are many words out there, but He is the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So He is the source of all meaning. And therefore, our words are, need to be brought into conformity with His Word. Mm. And um, that's where the blessing in our lives ultimately flows and that's how we can then with our words be a conduit of god's blessing god's peace god's shalom uh conduits of the kingdom of god by the right use um of our words mm. that reinforce the the creational kingdom normativity um if we buy into or compromise with the language regime of the world and so many Christians are falling over themselves mm -hmm. to do this, to talk about, uh, you know, queer Christianity and queer culture and um, uh, gay culture and this, that, and the other. And we are actually then participating in an attempt to redefine human beings loved by God made in his image mm. in terms of power from below. We can't participate in that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We have to reinforce... Uh, by our words, the meaning structure that the word has established for creation because in him was life and that life was the light of men. Mm. Great. Thanks for that, Joe. And uh, guys, men, I can say that. <laughs> Thanks a lot. For and the, women. On, on this channel. <laughs> you are listening. Can. Men in this room, <laughs> men and women listening. That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah, that's there it. There are no other things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and thanks a lot for the conversation today, guys. And uh, listeners, if you would like to uh, read, hear a little bit more on this topic, please go to our website, ezrainstitute.ca. You can find a ton of resources there if you just 
search language, you'll find uh, articles from Joe, many of our fellows. And while on the website, make sure you check out uh, all of the information on our high-impact residential training programs we have planned for this year. This has been the podcast for Cultural Reformation, reminding you that from him and through him and to him are all things. To God be the glory. It's passed down as a prophecy Every year about this time